The Atlanta Braves offense continues to punish baseballs, and the Braves themselves continue to win series. We'll discuss Tuesday's win or Wednesday's win over the Guardians, and we'll also recap the month of June where the Atlanta Braves dominated all of baseball. We'll discuss that on this episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. We'll have our mailbag episode on Friday. It'll be the last podcast before the new baby comes. So make sure you get those questions in ahead of the All-Star break as well. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We just got over 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you so much for the, all the support there. And again, if you're watching this video there, hit that thumbs up button to help support the show. And thanks so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Some of our everydayers from the last episode, Adam Dowd, Anita, Charles Pruitt, Make Your Life Easier, Michael Fo Foster, Ecuadorman, Terry Lewis from Savannah, Georgia. Thanks so much for letting me know that you are an everydayer. On today's podcast, we'll recap a Wednesday's 8-1 win over the Guardians, another series win for the Braves, and offense just going off in that game with a ton of hits, as we have been accustomed to seeing from this offense. And then our through the thurs Thursday through the league segment, we will recap the month of June, where the Braves were the best team in all of baseball by a wide margin. Today's episode, though, is brought, by, brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. On Wednesday, the Atlanta Braves won the series over the Cleveland Guardians with an 8-1 to win. Another series win. Their last series loss was to the Oakland Athletics. You remember that series, unfortunately, but that's the last time the Braves have lost a series. They've won 10 in a row. 17 runs, 36 hits in this series, and 8 home runs. Came into the series against the Guardians. I thought it was an interesting matchup between a team in the Braves who are built around power and a team in the Guardians who are built around pitching defense, limiting the home run ball. And you saw some of that in this series from the Guardians, particularly in game two that they won. They had some timely hits. They played some great defense. But really throughout offensively, the Braves still look like the same offense we've seen against every other team. So, uh, I really, you know, obviously the Braves won the series, and I think they proved that what they do well is better than what the Guardians do well. And maybe we didn't get the Guardians' best shot, although you got Shane Bieber, you got a top pitching prospect in Gavin Williams in this series, and Ocal Contral, who started on Wednesday's games, having a bit of a rough year. But still, I feel like the Braves were overly dominant in this series. Again, the one win the Guardians had, it was an extra innings win, and they played pretty much as well as you can with the timely hits and some great defense, but really just thought the Braves kind of imposed their will for the most part, especially the offense. And on Wednesday, eight runs on 19 hits, 19 hits for the Braves on Wednesday in two 
walks. Everyone in the lineup had at least one hit. Seven of the starters had multiple hits. Seven starters in this game for the Braves had multiple hits. Riley Olsen and Sean Murphy combined for nine hits, seven runs scored of the eight runs that were scored in the game, and five runs batted in. So that group there in the middle of the order doing a lot of the damage on Wednesday. Four more first inning runs, and it didn't involve Acuna, who had one of the hardest hit balls of the inning. The Braves actually had some good batted ball luck in that first inning. We're able to get some balls to sneak through the infield for a couple of hits and that scored a couple of runs. And then Eddie Rosario with a big double in that first inning as well. But four more first inning runs for the Braves, something they've done so well all year long. I want to talk about Matt Olson for a second. Last 30 games for Matt Olson, he's slashing 289, 368, 653 with 12 home runs, 15 walks, and 30 strikeouts. Pretty incredible streak that Matt Olson is on right now. I know he's had some ups and downs in his time with the Braves, but the last 30 games, those are MVP-level type of numbers. We've seen the strikeout rate kind of continue to decline throughout the year. The walks have always been there. The power's always been there. You're starting to see that average creep back up as well. But he has been tremendous over the last month for the Braves. He leads the National League in home runs with 29 and runs batted in with 70 fourth most walks in the National League, and he's third in the National League in OPS at 938 among qualified players. Somebody who doesn't qualify because he doesn't get enough at-bats because he's missed time with injury and because he's a catcher is Sean Murphy. And he was four for five in Wednesday's game with three runs scored, two runs batted in, and a home run. He has a 977 OPS, which, again, if he qualified, would be top five in all of baseball. The next closest catcher, and OPS to him is Will Smith at 883. Sean Murphy almost has a 100-point higher OPS than the next best catcher. The guy has just been incredible this year for the Braves. We talked about this a lot on the postcast after yesterday's game, but there's a lot of people who question the move for a catcher. Look, the Braves had the best catching tandem in all of baseball last year with Travis Darno and William Contreras, and the Braves went out and got Sean Murphy and moved William Contreras and a lot of fans somewhat understandably thought, why would you do that when there are other areas of need on this team? And I think you're starting to see why because of the offensive upside that was there for Sean Murphy. But for me, the biggest thing is what he does behind the plate. We talked about it in yesterday's podcast, the Guardians running all over Travis Darnot, and it really cost the Braves that game. I mean, there are other plays that you can point to in that game for why the Braves lost, but one thing I think you can distinctly point to is the fact that the Guardians were able to just run wild, essentially, on Travis Darno, and those runs or those stolen bases turned into runs. Well, on Wednesday night, the Guardians had plenty of runners in this game. They had a lot of players on base, but no stolen bases for the Guardians with Sean Murphy behind the plate. It just tells you that it's not just his ability to throw out runners, which he does you know, better than anybody in baseball. It's the, the ability to just shut down a run game because they're not going to choose to run on him. They're not going to choose to give free outs to the other team with Sean Murphy back there because of his arm, his pop time, his release, all of that. He shuts down a run game without even having to make a throw. And to me, I think that was one of the biggest reasons the Braves went and got him because they knew, obviously, stolen bases will become a much bigger thing with the rule changes, and it has – but 
it's also because they saw the offensive upside in him and a 977 OPS at the All-Star break. Pretty incredible first half for Sean Murphy in his first season with the Braves. Now, on the pitching side of things, Michael Soroka, not his best outing. He didn't give up any runs, but certainly was a struggle for him. Four and two-thirds innings, five hits, three walks, hit a couple of batters. No earned runs, which is fantastic. Um, I think he had four strikeouts. I wrote down three. Um, but 99 pitches, 57 strikeouts, a lot of traffic in this one. Command just kind of all over the place. First and third in the first inning, he got a big strikeout and a ground out to escape that one. Back-to-back -back singles to start the second inning in a wild pitch. Put runners at second and third with no outs. He got two strikeouts and a great play by Orlando Arcia to escape that jam. A one-out walk and a hit batter in the third. And then he got a strikeout and a lineout to escape that one. A uh, hit batter to start the fourth and then a one-out walk. And then a ground out and a lineout. A couple of singles in the fifth inning and then had to be replaced by Michael Tonkin with two outs, and he was able to escape that jam. The Guardians were over 11 with runners in scoring position in this one. The nicest thing I can say about this start for Michael Soroka is that he battled and he made some big pitches when he had to. I mentioned four strikeouts in this game. They all felt like they came in huge moments with runners on second or third with less than two outs. He was able to come up with a big strikeout, but Throughout this game, the command just really wasn't there. He was really fighting it. Again, the walks, the three walks, the, the two hit batters really put himself in a lot of bad situations, ran up that pitch count where he couldn't get through the fifth inning. But the, at the end of the day, again, he, he put a zero up on the board, and that's, you know, I can't ask for much more than that, but certainly not his best outing. Certainly there are some things to continue to work on there. Even the slider, which is always there for them, it was left up in the zone a lot in this one and got uh, set, they got several hits off of that pitch. So I really didn't have much work in. Every now and then he'd get that fastball and was able to dial it up at the top of the zone or on the edge for a big strikeout, like I said, but really just didn't have much of anything. And again, I think credit to him, he was still able to battle through four and two-thirds innings and keep a zero on the board. But I think he would even admit, you know, still got some things to work on. I think it's just the command. I still think the stuff is there. I've said that from the beginning. It's really just the command, which is understandable for somebody who hasn't pitched in so long. You know, when you go, when a player goes out with Tommy John, they always say the last thing to come back is the command. Well, you know, he didn't go out with Tommy John, but he had to change his mechanics and he hasn't pitched in two years. So I got to imagine that the command is still coming for Michael Soroka. And I think once it does, We'll see him get back. I don't know if we'll see him get back to a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher, but I think we'll see him be more of a steady, mid-rotation type of guy. And then a great job by Michael Tonkin to fill in those innings. Again, Soroka only able to go four and two-thirds. Bullpen was kind of used a good bit in the first two games, especially with extra inning game on Tuesday. So a great job by Michael Tonkin to not let the Guardians back in it and fill that gap and fill those innings. Three and a third, one hit, no walk, no earn and three strikeouts. I can't ex you know, express how huge that is with the bullpen. You know, a little had to be a little overworked in the series, and then to be able to have that lead and allow Tonkin to be able to go for that long and for him to be able to go that long and, like I said, keep the Guardians off the scoreboard so you don't have to continue to go back into that bullpen. I feel like he's done that a handful of times this year, and it's just been great uh, to have Michael Tonkin be able to keep him in that bullpen. He's out of options. The Braves have had to kind of, put him on some Phantom IL stints and, you know, kind of move things around in order to keep him on the roster because it is such a val valuable piece to have 
a guy like that who can come in in those blowout games, eat some innings, and not give the other team a chance to really get back in the game. Those are just invaluable innings throughout 162, and he's done a great job all year long. All right, the Braves did a great job in the month of June. I wanted to recap that month and tell you just how much better the Braves were than everybody else last month. We'll do that next. Are you using the Sleeper app for daily fantasy baseball? Well, you certainly should be. Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022. While earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry at Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. If you want to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times payout for up to eight-pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today the Braves and the Rays will start a series on Friday night at Tropicana Field the first game at 6 40 p.m eastern the two of the best teams in all of baseball in the first half will cap off the first half catch every pitch of the Braves hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app search Braves all right, we'll have our mailbag episode on Friday. Again, it'll be the last podcast before the new baby comes. We'll probably take some time off for that, so make sure you get in your questions. Got the All-Star break coming up as well, so now's a good time to get those questions in as we move into the second half of the season. So crazy that we're already there. But it's Thursday, so we'll do our Thursday through the league segment and go division by division here, starting with the NL East. The Braves are 58-28. and 28. Most wins in all of baseball. They're 9-1. In their last 10 games, they have an eight-game lead over the Miami Marlins, who are just the one of the best teams in baseball against everybody else, not the Braves. I saw somebody trying to flex about that on Twitter, which is just funny. But um, the Marlins are 51 and 37, eight games back of the Braves. They're seven and three in their last 10. Uh, they've won three in a row. They got a crazy win over the Cardinals on a Wednesday night on a throwing error. They're allowed two runs to score for the walk-off win. It's just the Marlins against everybody else. They're really good, but the Braves 8-1 and one against them this year, and that's why they got an eight-game lead in the division. Phillies are 46-39. and 39. They're 11 and a half games back. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 and have won two in a row. The Mets have won four in a row. They're now 40-46, and 46, but still 18 games back of the Braves. And then the Nationals, 34-52. and 52. They're 24 games back. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but they've lost three in a row. Going through the rest of the divisions in the AL East, the Rays, who the Braves are about to face, they're up five games on the Orioles. They have the next biggest divisional lead in all of baseball. In the AL Central, the Twins are now up two games on the Guardians. I said last week the Braves helped out the Guardians by sweeping the Twins. Now this week the Braves have out the Twins by taking two or three from the Guardians, and the Twins are back on top. In the AL West, the Rangers now just up two games on the Astros. The Astros are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're starting to get things going. The NL Central, the Reds are up two games on the Brewers. And then the NL West, the Diamondbacks are up just a game and a half on the Dodgers and three games on the Giants. So pretty tight division race there in the NL West. 
The latest power rankings, these coming by MLB.com on July 2nd. They now have the Braves in the top spot, matching what the Athletic did last week when we talked about it. They got the Rays at two. So, again, you're finishing the first half with two the two best teams in all of baseball. Then you got the Rangers at, th- at three, the Diamondbacks at four, the Orioles at five, the Dodgers at six, the Marlins at seven, the Giants at eight, the Astros at nine, the Yankees at 10. And I just like pointing this out, the Mets are at 23. It's just, it's a, it's crazy to think how far they've fallen, but still got a lot of baseball left to be played. Now I wanted to recap June. I know we're several days into July now, but I wanted to recap June because it was just a fantastic month for the Braves. They put up some big numbers. We'll start with the team numbers. Average, the Braves led all of baseball. These are, again, just for the month of June. They had a 307 average in the month of June. The Guardians, who the Braves just played, were next best at 279. Then you got the Rangers at 274, the Marlins at 269, and the Diamondbacks at 266. The Braves led all of baseball on home runs in the month of June with 61. The next closest team was the Angels at 47. Then you had the Reds, the Rangers, and the Astros. It's interesting to me, the Angels... Seeing them up here in the power numbers, they were also second in June behind the Braves with an 821 OPS. The Braves were 120 points higher at 944 in OPS. Or I'm sorry, the Angels were at 818. They were third in the month of June. But I want to point out the fact that the Angels are starting to show a lot of power and some similarities to the Braves. Obviously not quite to that level yet. But you know Perry Manassian out there came from the Braves' front office. You wonder if he's trying to deploy that same strategy of just having a powerful lineup up and down. The Angels seem to have that. Obviously, Shohei Otani helps a ton in that. But just interesting to see the Angels up here in some of these offensive stats. OPS, the Braves were tops at 944, and then the Rangers at 920, or 821 were had the second-best OPS in the month of June. And then it was Angels, Reds, Diamondbacks. Now, on the pitching side of things, not so much good for the Braves. ERA, the Phillies led. All of baseball and ERA in June at a 305 clip. The Cubs, 334. The Rays, who again, the Braves are about to play. They were third in baseball in the month of June in ERA. The Marlins, who the Braves just played, had a 343 ERA, fourth best in June. And the Braves just ran through that pitching staff and put up a big offensive numbers. The Braves were 13th with a 387 ERA in June. The Marlins led all of baseball in whip at 1.07 in June. And the Phillies were 1.10. And again, the Braves just ran through both of those teams here recently. Rangers were third at 1.15 whip. And then you had the Rays, Padres, and Yankees at 1.17. Braves were 15th at 1.26. Again, not a great pitching month for the Braves, but the offense really carried them. Strikeouts for the month of June. White Sox, 269. Interesting there. Marlins, 266. Jays, Rays, Angels, and Phillies. So good pitching month for the Phillies, Marlins, and the Rays. Uh, teams that the Braves just played and are about to play, and then a good offensive month for the Braves, Rangers, really the Marlins as well, uh, and the Angels. Now, on the individual player side of things, going through these same numbers, Luis Arise led all players with a 406 batting average in the month of June as he continues to chase 400. Uh, Otani had a 394 batting average in June. Josh Naylor, who uh, Braves really didn't get to see much of in that series against the Guardians, he had a 370 average in the month of June. So hopefully he's okay. Can get back soon. Acuna had a 356 average in June where he was player of the month. Castellanos 351 home runs. Otani led all, all players with 15 Matt Olson and Luis Robert had 11 and then Acuna bets and Rosario had nine. So you had three Braves and the top five for home runs in the month of June. 
OPS for the month of June, Otani 1444, Rosario 1115 OPS in the month of June, Acuna right behind him at 1112, Luis Robert at 1041, Cattell Marte at 1040. Stolen bases in the month of June, Acuna led all players with 14, Estuary Ruiz for the A's had 13, Trey Turner had 11, Ellie De La Cruz, Michael Garcia, Jake McCarthy, and Fernando Tartis all had nine. On the pitching side of things, not going to find many Braves here. <clears throat> Blake Snell had a 0.87 ERA in June. Kershaw, 1.09. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and that could be interesting. He's having a fantastic season. Um, Taiwan Walker, 1.50 ERA in June. Justin Steele had a 1.56, and Jordan Montgomery, 1.71. Those two guys can be trade candidates at the deadline. Interesting names to watch there. Blake Snell had a 0.68 whip in the month of June as well. Jesus Lazardo, 0.76. Uh, Kikuchi, 0.87. Kershaw, 0.88. And Taiwan Walker, 0.89. And then Blake Snell, strikeouts in, in the month of June, 53. Kevin Gosman, 50. Scherzer, 46. Pablo Lopez, 45. Dylan Cease and Jesus Lazardo, 42. So those are your leaders in the month of June. Again, was a great month offensively for the Braves. Certainly a lot to be desired on the pitching side of things, but hopefully help is coming. Didn't mention it yesterday, but Max Freed threw another live bullpen session. I'm thinking his next step will be a rehab start. Probably need at least three, I would think, before he comes back. So hopefully sometime after the All-Star break, before the trade deadline, before the end of July, we'll see Max Freed return. Haven't heard much about um, Kyle Wright. Like I said, I'm not as optimistic about him coming back, but really if we can just get Max Freed back and the rest of the rotation stays healthy, I feel really good about this pitching staff, kind of turning things around. And then some news around the league. Mike Trout had a wrist injury. He will be out for a while, probably at least three to four weeks at the minimum. Hate to see that with Mike Trout. Love watching him play and really want to see that Angels team in the postseason with Otani. Uh, so hopefully he heals up quickly and the Angels can stay in the race. All right, next, I want to quickly preview the series with the Rays. We'll do a little bit more of that on Friday's episode, but just want to briefly talk about that and the fact that these two teams, who are the best teams in all baseball in the first half, will be ending the first half playing each other. We'll discuss that next. All right, I mentioned on Friday we'll do a mailbag episode, so submit your questions there. I'll have a tweet come out from the main account on Thursday afternoon, noon, you can reply to that with your questions. It'll be the last podcast for me of the first half. We'll have the, we're going to planning to have the baby over the weekend, and then I'll take some time off for that. Grant McCauley will still be doing the postcast over the weekend against that race series, so make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta so you'll get that solo edition podcast with Grant, who does a great job there. Now the Braves and Rays will be meeting up to end the first half of the season, which is only fitting because they've been the best two teams in all of baseball for the first half of the season. Now the Rays do play the Phillies on Thursday night, so some of this could change, but the two teams are combined for 115 wins in the first half. The Rays have a plus 151 run, run differential. The Braves are plus 147. So again, two best teams in baseball in the first half, very identical you know, records, stats, everything. Um, it would be fitting to watch them end it. The Braves are lined up with their rotation with Strider, Morton, and Elder to go. No tally glass now. will be pitching for the Rays on Friday to start that series, and then we'll see what happens after that. But should be a really fun one. Good test for this Braves team, again, to end the first half 
Again, two of the best teams in all of baseball. We'll discuss that a little bit more on Friday's podcast. We just wanted to preview that a little bit here today. Uh, that will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. If you are an every day, let me know down in the comment section below. Make sure you subscribe to us on Twitter or follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves where you can submit those mailbag questions. Make sure you follow me at Shortstopball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 